And this week, I get the privilege of talking about, hopefully introducing you to the word Shabak. Shabak, which means to address in a loud tone, to shout, to commend, to glory, praise, still, triumph, adulate, which means to adore, laud, soothe. The ones that I'm focusing on, if you can tell, if you know me, you know that I have a loud tone. I have a loud voice. And I have, the, I have some girls in my Fresh Life group who can resonate with me. I have a loud voice, and, and I don't mean to, but like when I'm talking with someone, I get so, I'll get so excited, and, I, and then I won't realize that I'm actually talking, and everyone in the room is listening to me because I was being so loud. Also, my laugh is very loud. I love to laugh, but it is so loud. Sometimes I find myself laughing, and I'm like, I am ridiculous. This is way too loud. But I also feel like I'm a walking contradiction because I am very loud. I love loud music. I love to dance. I love, I love that. But then on the other hand, I'm also very sensitive to loud noises. And my husband will attest to this because he'll start watching something while we're in bed. <laughs> he said it happened last night. Um, and I'm just like, I'm so tired. Once I get in bed, I'm so tired. But I also just need it to be quiet but then he'll watch something, and sometimes it'll be violent, so there'll just be, like, shooting and, you know, holy things that he watches. Um, and I'm like, please, can you turn it down? And this actually has been something in our marriage that has caused issues because I'm like, Levi, please, just turn it down. Like, I'm, because I'm so frustrated. And then he's like, oh, my gosh, you're so, blah, blah. And then it just goes back and forth. And, the, I mean, the, the reality, it's usually Rick Warren he usually listens to Rick Warren very loud in our bed, you guys. Okay, TMI, I know, but he just likes to go to sleep to the sound of his soothing voice. <laughs> but I don't. Um, anyways, I am very sensitive, but I'm also very loud. And I want to kind of focus on these two aspects of Shabak, this loud tone, this shout, but also the soothing side of it, because that seems very contradictory to me. To have a word for praise mean a loud tone, a shout of praise. Right now, actually, all across our church, let's practice this. Would you just shout a praise to God? I heard you, Salt Lake. Okay, that was good. Okay, that was really good. But I'm going to give you a chance later, and I think it's going to get even better after you hear this message. Shabak. Will you say that with me? Shabak. Shabak. Here is an example of Shabak in the Bible. Psalm 63, verse 3. It says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise Shabak, you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hand in your name. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise halal you with joyful lips. 
So we have Shabbat. Because God, your loving kindness is better than life. I will Shabbat you. I will shout to you. I will praise you. I will adore you. I will laud you because your loving kindness is better than life. And I don't know about you guys, but as I've been learning these words, as I read the Bible, I get so excited when I see the word praise because I'm like, oh my gosh, which one is this? And so I'll look it up and I'm like, oh, this is yada. So this is what God's saying. This is what this writer is saying right here in this moment. And I, I just hope that this is just spurring up in you, church, a greater love and excitement for the word. It's so beautiful. And we're going to learn today how the roar of praise is soothing for the soul. And my title today is, What is it good for? I know that you're singing it in your head. What is it good for? And you're thinking absolutely nothing, but I'm going to tell you the opposite of that today. Psalm 145, we're going to read the whole thing. And would you please today stand in the reading in honor of God's word? We're going to read this whole psalm. And I believe that even in reading this psalm that God is going to speak to you and that God is going to unlock something in your soul as we just read his word, which is living and powerful. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise Halal, your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise Shabbat, your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord. That one's yada. And your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise 
spoiler alert, this is Tehillah, we're going to learn about that later, of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. And Father, we surrender to you in this moment. What a beautiful thing to worship you with song, but also to worship you and to praise you in the opening and reading and studying of your word. And God, I thank you so much for this fresh life house. I thank you for the fresh work that you're doing in our hearts and in our lives as we've just been setting ourselves apart in these moments together to look to you, to look to your word, to study deeper deeper into what it means to worship you. And I thank you, God, that it affects every inch of our lives. And I pray even now for those of us who there might be that tension, the loud and the quiet, the being yelling and being soft, and there's just, There's just so much tension in our hearts sometimes. And I just pray that those of us who are feeling that would just surrender that to you even now. Open our eyes, open our ears to hear from you. We are your servants. And we need you, and we need you to lead us. We need you to teach us. So God, would you do that right now? Strengthen our hearts, strengthen our minds, strengthen our hands. Be lifted up. All glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. What is it good for? What is a loud tone or a shout even good for? Well, I made up a little list and I thought, well, getting someone's attention, warning somebody, celebration, fear when you're afraid, laughter, battle cry. I read this on someone's Instagram. 90% of marriage is just shouting what from different rooms. (laughs) It's so true. What? Hashtag the marriage devotional. (laughs) I read something this week, um, something called primal therapy. And just a reminder, I am not a doctor or a scientist, and I don't know all the things. So I I studied and I learned, but if I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. And you can write me an email and let me know how I'm wrong. But this is called primal therapy. It was discovered in the 1950s, and it was originally thought to help people deal with deep trauma. The idea is you're screaming out because of the emotional issues, the deep emotional issues. Um, More recently, it's been studied that yelling itself doesn't actually help you, um, but it's actually seen to be like a starting place because when you have deep emotional trauma and you just yell 
you can sometimes see like, oh, that was actually in me. And then that's actually a good starting place for therapy or for counseling or for, so if you're feeling it, maybe just give a good yell and then go see your, your therapist. I know in the birthing process, uh, ladies, I, I know you can, you're with me, but um, you're told to kind of lean into how your body is um, going through this wonderful process. And one thing that I learned was to keep, to practice before I had the babies, babies, <laughs> um, was to practice relaxing every muscle in my body. Because when you're having a baby, you want to be as relaxed as possible to let your body do what God intended for it to do. But they also say to breathe loud, to yell loud. I mean, you'll see movies where girls are like screaming. You're supposed to like go go with your body and... But I think some, some like projections of it is a little bit more dramatic. But that idea of like using your voice for a purpose. Um, I also learned, so that we can kind of get this out of the way, um, that yelling is not good (laughs) for you or for someone that you're yelling at. So if you're shouting at somebody, um, the uh, psychological effects of that on the brain are stress, anxiety, depression, the purpose of shouting or yelling at somebody is usually to control another person's behavior, and it causes stress, behavioral problems, low self-esteem, the list goes on. So the, what I was reading said, avoid yelling at others. And I was like, duly noted, um, I, I don't know about you, but I just felt the conviction as a parent, I've yelled at my kids more often than I would like to admit Um, But this was helpful. So maybe this will help you today. If you are prone to yelling at others, number one, try to listen more than you talk. Number two, practice empathy for the other person. Number three, speak slower and softer than you usually would. Number four, make your expectations clear so you don't have to yell them. Ask for help when you feel overwhelmed. So avoid yelling at others because that's not good to yell for you or the person you're yelling at. And then I read this. This is just kind of a little just helpful tidbits. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it kind of does. So um, coping with being yelled at. So if you are someone who has been yelled at, these are some things that you can do. Take care of your body. Get enough sleep. Find ways to be active. Number two. Practice mindfulness and relaxation exercises. Number three, find supportive people to talk to and get the help you need if you're in a dangerous situation. So yelling at or shouting at somebody is not helpful. But there have been studies showing that shouting out or yelling out while you're doing something, so I already said the birthing process, but like when you're working out. So I don't know if you work out at your local gym, but sometimes you'll be there and there are those guys who are just like killing it. And they're the one, they're the loud ones. They're the ones, that's the reason why everyone else needs to have their own headphones in with their own music because they're grunting and they're yelling and they're getting their squat and they're, ah! and 
it's help, that's helpful, actually. And what I found as our daughter Olivia has been going through physical therapy as a result of her herniated disc this summer, um, one of the things that is so helpful in movement and in action and in sports is using your breath to help protect your spine. So when you breathe in, that's actually helpful for you. And if you breathe out the right way, your tennis hit or your baseball hit or your throw, like you're, it's actually helping you. So if you can breathe in and let out, I mean, if you watch uh, tennis, it's, the, it's one of the things our kids laugh at because they make the funniest noises. They're just like, I'm probably really ruining my voice right now. Um, to take a deep breath in preparation for a movement helps the lungs protect our spine. That is crazy to me. But here is an example. I wanted to open up to Luke chapter 17. Um, this is an example of crying out, shouting out. And we're going to see this in action here. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 says, Now it happened as he went, Jesus, to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is so interesting to me because these ten lepers, who leprosy is a horrible thing, they lifted up their voices. So all 10 of these men were lifting up their voices. God, have mercy on me. God, heal me. God, help me. And then Jesus says, go. Show yourselves to the priests, which meant that they had to take a step of faith because to even go near the priests, they had to be cleansed. They had to be whole. So for them, they started going. And it says, as they went, they were healed. So as they were walking away from Jesus to the priests, they were healed. But this shows that the nine of them just kept going, and the one realized he was healed and ran back to Jesus and with a loud voice gave glory to God. I mean, we learned so much in this passage. That's like a whole other message in and of itself. I think my husband should teach on this sometime. <laughs> But it's so interesting finding so many instances of people in the Bible 
shouting out to God. But what's so beautiful about it is it all really includes a bunch of people. And I think that that's what I want to hone in on today is, yes, we are to cry out to God on our own. Yes, we are to call out to him, to shout out to him, to praise him, to worship him with a loud tone on our own. But there's something strengthening and soothing about the roar of the church, about the roar of people singing and shouting together. I just think about people at um, a concert. And if you've been to one, and everyone there who loves the person performing, everyone knows the words, everyone's singing, everyone's shouting, everyone's hands are up, they're dancing, they're jumping around, they're pushing each other, this is awesome! Everyone knows the words, everyone's singing together. That feeling, for those of you who like concerts, some of you who some of you don't. Uh, for those of you who like concerts, it's that feeling, it's that uh, togetherness, it's that unity, it's that excitement, it's that fun, it's that celebration. And something that actually happens in our brain is that when we sing with others, a group of people, oxytocin is released in our brain, which is that feel good, some call it the love hormone. So imagine, as we worship together, what is released, yes, there's something actually released in our brain that helps us, that's literally that what we take to feel better and to get out of a depressive state, but um, with that holy side of it, that togetherness. Um, I was also thinking about people at sports events, I went to this one, what was it? It was the Saints in um, New Orleans, sorry. Um, It was actually a little frightening. Every single person in that arena was yelling, screaming at the top of their lungs. It was actually a little bit terrifying. You could almost feel the whole stadium like shifting and, and moving, and it was just a little scary. That is something, a rodeo, People in battle, Um, I read that uh, warriors heading into battle, when they scream and shout their battle cry, this is called synchronization. Synchronization, which unites, releases adrenaline, focuses both attention and intention, also to psych themselves up and intimidate opponents. Now, I don't know if you know much about uh, rugby. Um, those of you out of the United States know this, um, but I found this video that I just needed to share with you because it is so awesome, and you just need to watch it. So, watch this video.
challenge has been received. So apparently that's what they do before a rugby game. But how exciting is that? Like, first of all, I mean, even not even looking at them yet, you just hear the roar of the crowd around them. But then them, and they have the, oh my gosh, their, their leader who is screaming and sticking his tongue out. Like, he, they had a leader leading them. But they, like, that was, that's just amazing. But that was, that's synchronization. That's uniting with one focus they're going to beat, I mean, I was scared. Although the guy on the other t- side of the team, uh, that, was, um, that was scary also. But, but there's a power released when a team or a band or a crew of people cry out together. Together. Shouting together. But when we worship God together, It's not just, oh, we all know these songs. It's not just fun, although it can be and it should be. And I want to encourage you, church, in those dancey, fun songs to have fun and let it go. Just like we were learning a couple weeks ago with halal, y'all. Celebrate, rage praise. Like that's so awesome. And I wish that I got to teach that one because I love to dance and I love to rage and I love, I love it. Um, we did a little staff, um, what did we call it? Staff summit training hangout this summer. And we did this thing where all of us had these headphones on and only we could hear the music. And I probably should have shown you a video of this but I won't. Um, but I, w- I could hear myself. I think our, our headphones needed to be a little bit louder. I could hear myself screaming, singing these songs we were dancing to. And I was like, this is crazy. And I can only imagine. And there were some wallflowers over just around, uh, just watching the shenanigans, but um, I could only imagine how crazy that would, fe- that would be. Like, just watching all these people dancing to no music. You're not hearing the music, only they are. And you're hearing people sing these songs. Oh my gosh, I, th- I think people were taking video. There is video. This, there is proof of this somewhere. But just this idea of shouting and praising God, but with a unified purpose where singing for his glory. We're glorifying him. So Shabbat, what is it good for? Number one, the roar of worship soothes our aching hearts. And I'm sure you have felt this before. When you're in a room of people worshiping and maybe you're going through a hard thing, maybe you're going through a hard time, and you're almost lost in other people around you carrying you. And I think that's something that is so beautiful about worshiping, about gathering as, with, as the church, worshiping God together, because so many of us are experiencing heartache. But when we just come, and even if we don't sing, we just lift our hands, the praise of other people can carry us. The worship of our family in Christ can soothe our aching hearts. Second Chronicles 15, verse 14 says, 
Then they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and ram's horns. Verse 15, and all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. That roar can bring rest. The roar of worship soothes our aching hearts. Number two, the roar of worship sinks our hearts with heaven. In Psalm 145, we read it, I will praise your name forever and ever. And like I said earlier, that is, that's our life, worshiping God forever and ever. So when we gather as the church, as we roar in worship as the church, we're sinking our hearts with heaven. Revelation 5 says in verse 12, then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. When we worship, we're sinking our hearts with heaven. This roar of worship that we get to be a part of now is a little preview of what you're going to be experiencing in heaven when we will be surrounded by the angels and the saints of old singing worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain. After our daughter Lenya went to heaven, I think I've shared this with you before, I just imagined when, when we worshiped, because I think at, at all of our locations, there's a kind of somewhat of a little half circle in front of the stage. And I just imagined as I worshiped, and I was usually weeping and worshiping at that time, I saw what I could see with my naked eye in front of me, or behind me rather, because I was front row worship, y'all. The half circle that I was in, and imagining as we were worshiping Jesus, What we can't see is the connecting half circle that is heaven. And it just brings you closer. And so when the things of this world are weighing you down, when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when when there's tension in your heart and in your life and in your relationships, worship is such an easy way to remind you that yes, I'm in this side, but soon and very soon, I will be on that side. And right now, we are worshiping our Savior with the angels and the saints with a separation. But there will come a day when that separation will be torn down. 
Number three, the roar of worship sends us into battle. It sends us into battle. Joshua 6.20 says, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. And there are many examples in the Bible of battle scenes. And just like we saw in that rugby pregame, there was one guy yelling and leading and then everyone else is like ready to, to go. And I just wanted to show this video of a few examples just to get your mind in that frame of reference of worship, the roar of worship sends us into battle. Just watch this real quick. Avengers! Assemble. That's helpful, isn't it? And I just even just want to take a moment and thank our worship leaders all across our church who really are that battle cry, who lead us into the throne room of the Lord. And in the same way, I just honor and thank my husband who also is that, who leads us, who cries out, who shouts the truth, sending us into battle. Now, why do I say battle? Because the Bible says, literally, we are in a battle. Ephesians 6 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So we're meant to stand. We're meant to move forward. We're meant to enter into battle. So every day we might feel like we're in a battle with our spouse. We might feel like we're in a battle with our children, in a battle at work, a battle at school. But that is not the battle. The battle is not flesh and blood. It is spiritual. And so as, we, as the roar of worship surrounds us and engulfs us, as we lend our voice to this holy roar, we're sent out to where God's called us to. We're sent out to the lives he's called us to live. We're sent out to contend. We're sent out to love. We're sent out to give. This roar of worship sends us into battle. Number four, the roar of worship spreads hope to a hurting and hopeless world. 
There are people who come to our church all the time who don't yet know the Lord. And do you know why? Because we are a table and we are pulling up chairs for people to come and see that the Lord is good. We're inviting people all the time. And this is another encouragement, church, to invite people. Just come and see. Just come and see. And God does the rest. But as we worship, I've seen it before. As the church is worshiping and you see people watching, you never know what God is doing in that heart, what God is doing in that life. God can use anything to reach someone. When someone sees a whole room of people with their hands raised, crying out, worshiping, that's life-changing. They may not even fully understand it. We don't even fully understand it. They might, they might not know and understand, but God can speak to them through it. The roar of worship can spread hope to a hurting and hopeless world. Psalm 100 verse 1 says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands, all the world. Isaiah 12 verse 4 says, praise the Lord. That one's yada. Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his deeds among the peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. We can cry out to tell the whole world. Where as we worship God, the world sees. Verse 5. The roar of worship strengthens the next generation. The roar of worship strengthens the next generation. One of the most beautiful pictures of this I've ever seen was at Passion 2020. Being in a room of college-age students worshiping the Lord, it was a holy roar. But seeing the people who were leading them in it, they were not college-age students. They were older. But what was so beautiful was that they were leading in this, declaring to this next generation of students, pointing to who they needed to look to. We are to shout his works and who he is to the generation coming after us. That's what it says in Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. It's our job to shabak to the next generation. And it's not shouting at them. It's not yelling at them. It's shouting the works of God. It's declaring what he has done. And it's bringing them along to do the same so that it doesn't get lost. Because if we don't roar in worship, if we don't roar in praise, our kids the generation behind us 
won't know. And that's the same for the, the generation that you're in, students. Practice now. Sing now. Worship now. Because soon and very soon, you will be in a place where there's going to be Gen 59 behind you. Teaching. Showing what it means to worship God. Speaking of his works, declaring his acts. He is a good God. And what we can say, we won't dwell on the past, but what we can say is God has been so faithful, little generation, God has been so faithful, he will continue to be faithful. So we are going to keep going. We are going to enter into battle because he is faithful. Number six, the roar of worship scares the enemy. I mean, if you're in a room, I mean, that room, that rugby room, that's scary. I was telling you about the Saints. That, those, those fans are scary. I've heard a lot of things about the Raiders fans also. Um, but roar, worship, it scares the enemy. That's all I have to say about that. Number seven, the roar of worship sets God in his right place in our hearts and on his throne. Psalm 47.1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is great king over all the earth. We shout because God is worthy. We give him our everything because he is worthy. Shabbat, what is it good for? Absolutely everything. Because God is our absolute everything. He is good. He is so good. And this is the kind of shout that will soothe our souls, that will bring a healing balm to the world. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for opening up our eyes to a beautiful way to shout. A beautiful way to lift up our voices with a loud tone and worship you. And Father, I just pray right now for the voices within our church. And God, you have been so faithful in this moment to strengthen my voice. And Lord, you have been teaching me so much about what it means to use the voice that you've given me. But Lord, I pray for every single person all across our church that they would see that their voices matter. That how they use their voice 
to worship you matters. That how they use their voice to communicate with others, to speak, to love, it matters. And I just want to take a moment. If you, I've been in my own journey in my voice. <laughs> But if you are in a place right now where you just feel like you've struggled with your voice, and maybe it's something that happened in your past, where you just feel like what you say doesn't really matter. Maybe you're in a situation even now where you try to speak up, but it just doesn't feel like your, your words are landing anywhere or being heard by anyone. If that's you, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. I would love to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for those raising their hands. Lord, I believe that you're speaking life over them. You created their voice. for a beautiful reason and a beautiful purpose. And I pray that as they look up to you, that they would see that what you've put in them very much matters and how it comes out very much matters. I pray that you would just strengthen them in confidence in you that you would remind them how loved they are, how seen they are by you. If they feel like their words are falling on deaf ears, their words are not towards you. You hear every word. You see every tear. You know their hearts. You created them. You know the voice deep down inside that they don't even know yet. So I pray that they would practice speaking up for your glory, for your name, for your fame, telling people of your, of your glory, of your kindness, of your goodness, speaking up of the work that you're doing in their hearts and in their lives, speaking up when they feel led to encourage someone, speaking up when maybe they feel like, no, oh, no one's going to listen. And I pray that you'd give them a heart of love because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I pray for a revival within their hearts. You can put your hands down. And I just want to lead anybody who maybe doesn't have that relationship with Jesus yet. Maybe at some point in this message, you were like, yes, I want that. I want to surrender. I want to give my all. I want to raise my praise to God. And if that's you, I just want to lead you in a prayer, a simple prayer where basically in your heart you're saying, yes, God, and so you're just letting it come through your mouth and out. And this church is for you and loves you, and we're going to back you. So if this is you, we're actually all going to say it with you. So if, you, if, the, if this is you, would you just say, church, pray it with us. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. But you have given me life. You sent Jesus to die on the cross and to rise from the dead 
for me. Thank you for new life. Thank you for this voice you've given me to tell people of who you are and the change that you've done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.